following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. What I love about this time of the year is is we're really wrapping up a year and we're about to launch into a whole new year. And to me, that's an exciting time because it's kind of a time where we we kind of reassess things a little bit. Uh, most of us step back and make up resolutions or aims or goals or uh, trying to improve our life in different areas, whether it's health or spiritually or um, academically or with a job or a career and things of that nature. So this is really a time uh, where most people uh, spend time kind of looking back, navigating on on what's to come. And it doesn't have to just be at New Year's. How many of you guys know that God's mercies are new every day? Every day. So the cool thing about the Lord, the cool thing about our relationship with God is any single day you can get up and say, God, I want a fresh start. And he will give you one. His mercies are new every day. That's what's amazing. But this is a time where we intentionally focus. And we're doing a series on 2020 vision. And this series is going to be a four-week series starting today. And it's going to help you align your vision with God's vision for your life because God has a vision for your life. And if you're like me, you probably have your own vision for your life. And the process of figuring out God's vision and your vision and how they merge is really monumentally important. And we're going to be looking at that. And we're also going to discover how to get on track with absolute clarity, to get clarity on, God, what exactly is it? And how do I see clearly the things that you're calling me into? Specifically, what would be success in your eyes, success in your eyes. And we're going to look at success today because a lot of times when we make up resolutions or we come to terms with our new year, we're often looking at, well, what would make me more successful? And that could be successful in a lot of areas, maybe more influential with people I care about. Uh, Whatever that level of success is, whatever that definition of success is for you, uh, we're going to look at some things in Scripture today that are going to help us understand what clarity and success are really all about Because without it, we really can't aim that well. We need to know what we're aiming at. We need to know where we're going or what the end goal is or what we sense the Lord's calling us into. Otherwise, our success or our view of success will be really um, misguided. Um, But specifically right now, as you're kind of maybe searching your own heart and praying about what uh, the new year might bring or what you're praying for or you're hoping God opens doors in your life, whatever that might be, I want to encourage you guys to make this New Year's 10 times more important than prior New Year's. Because you're not just stepping into a new year, you're stepping into a decade. You're about to step into a new decade. And this is monumentally important. The way you aim, we've got like a couple of days left in this current decade. And you're about to not just step into a new year, but a new decade. And depending on how you aim your life, depending on how uh, you, you prayerfully get the sermon from God in the vision of where he's calling you and what success looks like will have a monumental difference compared to just, I don't know, I'll just maybe go to the gym or lose a couple pounds and you know, step into the new year, and that's good, but that's not great, amen? There's a difference between good and great and success in our eyes and success in God's eyes. And my prayer is that we will be successful in God's eyes. Just imagine, just imagine what God can do in your life in the next 10 years. Just imagine what God could do. Just imagine what kind of God stories can come out. It's going to take lining our lives up with his and be intentional as we step into this decade. Uh, C.S. Lewis says, you're never too old to set another goal or dream a new dream. You're never too old to set another goal or dream a new dream. If you've stopped dreaming, if you've stopped setting goals, it's time to start. Um, I, I really believe the Bible has a lot to say about hope. Uh, that in the end times, God says he'll pour out his spirit, and, and uh, young men will have dreams, uh, old men will have dreams, and young men will have visions. In other words, God's all about, for his church, to pour out insight, perspective, uh, things to aim at. God, what are you calling me to and looking down the road? And so if you have stopped dreaming, uh, get alone with God and pray. In fact, in the new year, I believe the first week of the new year, uh, We're having an all-church prayer night on a Friday night, and it's in your bulletin. But I want to encourage you guys to come, because as you get into this new year, there's nothing better than really locking in with the Lord and saying, God, what do you really have? I mean, honestly, like, show me 
speak to me, give me clarity and direction on, on what your word for my life is. And we want to pray together, we want to pray for you, that you will essentially get a download from heaven on the next steps that God has for you. Um, so 2020 Vision is our series because we're stepping into a new decade, beginning of the year 2020. But 2020, as you guys know, is also a, a medical term used in the uh, optometry realm, uh, referring to our vision, having 2020 vision. And 2020 vision is the standard of having really good vision. And so that's my prayer spiritually, is that we will have 2020 vision as we step into this uh, decade. But the term 2020 vision uh, is like the baseline, it's the ability to see uh, accurately with clarity and with sharpness. That's the term that they use. 2020 becomes the standard if you can see accurately uh, and uh, with clarity and sharpness. Now, they measure it in the optometry world at a distance of 20 feet. But my prayer is that we will, by God's grace, be able to look down the road and say, Lord, where, where do you want me in 10 years? Where do you want me in 20 years? Let's forget about 20 feet for a minute, amen? God, where do you want me in 20 years? What, what would it be like if I lined my vision up with yours and really started to walk with Christ, to be in step with the Holy Spirit? What would my life look like 20 years down the road? It can be profoundly different, and God can use you to do profound things. Historically, God has done things through people. He could just say, I'm going to pass on people and use angels. Wouldn't that be a lot easier? God just send angels to go do everything. But he chooses to use you and I. And the Bible is a whole story of thousands of years of stories of God intersecting lives and people willing to make room for him and walk with God and be world changers in the world that God placed them. And I believe that's what he wants to do in our lives too. Um, I would say we are living in times now that it's more important than ever to have vision. It's more important now more than ever. We are living in times, make no mistake, God has you here for such a time as this. You are living in times when the world is waking up right in front of you, literally. If you look at the timeline, I know I bring this up, but we have to talk about it. When you look at the timeline of humanity and you look at progress in humanity, uh, there's been like uh, horses and buggies and sailboats across oceans, and this has been going on for thousands and thousands of years. And just in the last 150 years, we got, okay, we got a steam engine, and all of a sudden we got nuclear physics and science. You got in your phone, you can learn how to make an atomic bomb, or you can take your PhD through your phone, essentially. We are at a place where knowledge has vastly increased, and Scripture says it will. The Bible says that that's a sign of the latter days, that knowledge will vastly increase. You could say that about no generation in the history of humanity, except for right now, where there's an exponential blast-off of knowledge and things being uploaded on the internet at, a, at exponential paces. The Bible also says in end times that people will go to and fro rapidly. You could not say that about any generation in the history of humanity, because people did not go to and fro, back and forth rapidly. But now as we speak, there are millions of people in the air on airplanes flying at 600 miles an hour uh, to different content, continents. I mean, we're living in times, and God has you here for such a time as this. So God had you born in a very specific, very intentional season, and it is more important now than ever before that you and I have vision, that we get a vision from the Lord. It's important because if you don't get a vision from the, from the Lord, the world will give you a vision. And how many of you know the world is good at counterfeiting? The devil's great at counterfeiting vision. And, and the devil would love for you and I to adopt a counterfeit form of vision rather than the vision that God um, actually has for us. And uh, we, we know the scripture you've heard and Christy shared earlier that without vision, my people perish. That's the Lord speaking. So vision is important. Vision is expected. Vision is not optional. Without vision, my people perish. Some translations say, without vision, my people lose hope. I believe that's the order. Before people perish, they start losing hope first. We have this blessed hope, amen? We are supposed to be the people of hope. And so this is really important. Um, you've also heard the expression that if you, if you aim at nothing, you'll be sure to hit it, right? You got to aim. Got to get a vision and we got to aim. And that's hopefully what this next four weeks is going to be, is a little bit more clarity on vision, 
a little bit more clarity on aim, and actually some practical steps on how to actually take the steps to walk out the God-given vision that God is putting on your life. But today, uh, we want to see clearly so we can aim accurately. If we can't see clearly, we won't be able to aim accurately. And just like the doctor uses a certain set of lenses to help you see clearly, God has his own set of lenses. And I believe we have a graphic of what the uh, doctor uses. This is a um, ferropeter, is what it's called. And this has a series of lenses in it. Has anybody ever used one of these before? Okay. So, so you sit down, it's a really intimidating looking machine, you know, but, but you step up to this thing and you look through and they ask you to read on the wall, but they're able to swap all kinds of lenses and adjust all kinds of lenses while you look through because they're trying to help determine the accuracy and the depth of your vision. They want to see how far you can see and how acute, how accurate, excuse me, your, your, your vision is. And this is really important for them because if it's not, they have to adapt and make different types of lenses to help you see clearly. And so this is a really important machine that helps you. Um, and in the spiritual realm, God also wants to help you see clearly. God also wants to help you and I see at a, a great distance, much more than 20 feet, like 10, 20 years. God wants you to see clearly, but God does not use a ferropeter. God doesn't use a ferropeter. God uses a different set of lenses, a different set of lenses so that you and I could see clearly. And the lenses that God uses is the Word of God and the Spirit of God. The Word of God and the Spirit of God. These become the lenses through which we look at life. These, are through, these become the lenses through which we, we get the adjustment we need to see further down the road. In fact, this book tells us about the entire future, and it ends up talking about and it tells us everything about the sequence of humanity and how things will roll out. This has some profound things about the future, not just general revelation, but it's got specific revelation for your life too. So the Word of God becomes a lens through which instead of a ferropeter that an optometrist would use, God is using His Word as a lens to help us see clearly and define things and look further and discern, oh, this is not this season. There's a season for everything under the sun. And the Word of God helps you even discern the seasons that you're in in your life and what should be the priorities in these seasons. And the other thing God uses is His Spirit, the Spirit of God, inside of you, inside every believer, to lead you, to guide you, to counsel you, to comfort you, to literally give you micro-adjustments along the way in a season that it's foggy, to, to, to adjust your vision, to give you a little clarity, to give you something concise like, I can't really see what is that, what's coming ahead. And that's really important. Uh, reminds me of a time we were just up in the mountains this weekend, and uh, it got really snowy and foggy, and it was really hard. We're driving back to our um, you know, cabin, and, and literally you, high beams didn't work, and low beams didn't work very good, and you're just like literally looking in front of you. Uh, I, I told uh, my wife Christy, I said there was a time I went up there when I was younger, and um, literally trying to come off the hill, and coming off the hill, the fog was so thick uh, and the snow was coming down, and I didn't have any fog lights. I was just following taillights in front of me. And I'm like, this is great, because this guy in front of me had fog lights. And I'm following him. And then all of a sudden, I realized, if this guy just <laughs> goes off a cliff, I'm going right behind him, because I'm just following his taillights. Um, sometimes our vision is limited. Sometimes we can only see what is immediately in front of us. But how many of you know that God knows all things and searches all things? He searches all things. God knows the seasons, he knows the immediate, he knows the long term. So between the word of God and the spirit of God, the, the word of God being our roadmap, you have a map and you can get anywhere you need to go in life with the roadmap God's given you. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness through his roadmap. And he's also given us his Holy Spirit as a compass. If you've ever been out there with a map, it's nice if you know which way to turn it, but if you don't know which way to turn it, it doesn't really work well. But the compass will tell you that's north, so put the map that way. And between the Word of God and the Spirit of God, we have the map and the compass, and God will guide us in these matters of vision and seeing with clarity. Really, really uh, important to do. This is the lens that he's given us. So I don't know, I want to ask you this morning, how well, because we're talking about vision today and seeing clearly, how well are you doing with seeing through that lens, the lens that the Lord is already giving you? How well are you doing with seeing through that lens, the Word of God and the Spirit of God, because that is 
the lens he's asking you to see through, and you will see clearly if you look through this lens. Because listen, in life, in life, if you're looking through any other lens than his word and his spirit, if you're looking through any other lens for clarity, for sharpness, for depth of field, for distance, if you're looking through any other lens, um, it, will, it will result in blurry vision. Uh, if you're looking through the lens of psychology, if you're looking through the lens of worldly success, if you're looking through the lens of fame, if you're looking through the lens of media, if you're looking through the lens of whatever that might be, uh, as well-aimed or intended as those might be, you're going to end up with blurry vision. Because God's word is perfect and his spirit is, is his presence, and, and that is the ultimate lens and the most concise lens you can ever have. So if you're looking through any other lens, our vision will be blurry. We will have a blurry worldview, and we will have a blurred view of success. And this is important. We will have a blurred view of success. This is monumental because we have views of success. And if we were to ask each other, what would success be to you? You might say, well, success would be A, B, and C. And, and we'd have all these different ideas of success. And everyone you know probably has their own view of what success is. But I would say God has a better view of success. Would you agree with that? God has a better view of success than we do. Um, and the problem with a blurred, a blurred view of success if we have a blurred view of success, it leads to a, a misguided aim in life. If we think that is success, then we have a misguided aim and we start walking towards it. If we think that is success, then we have this other aim. But if God is showing us with success, we have a clearly guided path. Does that make sense to what it is? In fact, there's this great passage I would like us to read this morning, Luke chapter 12, about a profoundly successful man, very successful um, by all intents and purpose, everybody would agree this man's successful. But God is saying, not so fast. <laughs> Be careful what you call successful. And uh, everyone around him, I'm sure, thought he was successful. And I don't know about you, but in, the Bible is full of these stories with people, and they're so relatable, the stories of people. And how many would agree it's so much easier to learn from somebody else's mistake right, than our own mistake? Um, if you can learn from somebody else's mistake, we don't want others to go through mistakes, but if they go through mistakes, take heart, take note of what the mistake is so we don't repeat it. It's a lot easier to learn from somebody else's mistake than from our own mistakes. Because our own mistakes can be painful. Uh, they can set us back. It can take some time or momentum to recover. And so if we can learn from others' mistakes, so this gentleman in this passage is profoundly successful, it would appear, and maybe there's something to learn uh, from, from his life. So Luke chapter 12 verse 16 to 21. We have it for the screen, or if you read this on your phone or your Bible. Uh, it goes like this. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with who, whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. So here is a man with a plan. This man's got a plan. He's not passive. He has aim. He's got agenda. He's got goals. He's got targets. He's got these markers in his life that he's going after. And that is quant more grain, more grain. I got to get more grain. I got to get a more ROI, a return on my investment. I got to develop and build and accrue a greater surplus of grain. So he's got a plan and he's going after his plan. And it seems, it seems like there's success in this. He believes he has vision. He believes he has great aim. He believes he has great plans. And I would venture to say it would appear to those around him in life that he is, in fact, successful. Whatever he's doing, do that, because it seems to be working. So we would think the problem is this man in the story is looking through the wrong lens. Everyone say wrong lens, because the lens is monumental. He's looking through the wrong lens. 
And if we're looking through the wrong lens, we will have the wrong aim and the wrong outcome. But if we're looking through the right lens, we will see success for what it really is. This man was looking through the wrong lens and he thought he was just achieving success through the lens that he was looking through. Uh, his aim though, listen, it was a self-centered life. Uh, there's very few passages where you hear as much me, myself, and I in the story. How many of you know me, myself, and I is the unholy trinity? Did you know that? The Father, Son, and the Spirit. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, right? We say that, hopefully we mean it. But the me, myself, and I, that's all self-centered, that's all self-absorbed, that's a really selfish, and we weren't made for this, but, but these are the things we struggle with in life. This man's story, he's even boasting, boasting. Paul says, look, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in Christ. If I want to tell you something really epic, let me just tell you what God did. And, and that's, that's boasting in Christ. This guy's like, me, look what I did. I built this empire, and I got so much stuff. I'm going to build bigger barns for my stuff, and I'm going to live like this, and I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. And I, and I, and the story is full of me and myself, and I, and his life, and his view of success through the lens of selfishness was based entirely on himself. And God says, sir, that is not success. He thinks it's success. And God Almighty is saying, sir, I don't care what your friends think, that is not success. In fact, that's foolishness. And I just think about that in the world we live in, how many people are pursuing a view of success that they actually think might be success? And God is going, that's not success, that's actually foolishness. Isn't that ironic that we might think something is so successful and yet God would say that's foolishness, right? The end goal, the end game, whatever that thing is out there. And I know there was a season of my life where I, when I moved to LA, I was playing guitar in San Diego for years and I moved to LA to, uh, in rock bands playing all these Hollywood clubs pursuing a record deal. And I will tell you at the time I didn't know this, but when I came to Christ, I began to see clearly how many of you know the, the, the song is so true, I once was blind, but now I see? Anybody have that story? See, you don't. You think you're looking through a good lens, and you think your lens is completely clear. There's nothing wrong with my lens. And you know, you got this lens, and you think it's fine. And I had my view of success. And my view of success was a record deal, that I am going after this record deal, and I'm going to be relentless, and I'm playing five, six hours a day, Hollywood clubs, Beverly Hills lawyers representing us to the record labels, and we're just going after it relentlessly with this record deal kind of thing. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes into my life. And like the Christmas song, I realize if this is who he really is, I have to make room for him, right? You've got to make room. And I made room for him, and he came in. He says, I stand at the door of your heart, and I knock. And if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will be with you. I will sup with you and I will never leave or forsake you. And pretty soon I'm starting to read his word. And guess what? My lens is changing. God is replacing this skewed, blurry lens and getting rid of it and giving me actually a clear lens through his word and his spirit. I'm starting to look at things and I'm like, oh my goodness, I just never saw that before. Like many of you who would say, I once was blind, but now I see, you begin to see with some clarity, and you're like, I just never saw that before. And when you begin to see it, you realize God's showing you something completely different. You're having a new level of success. You're being, being able to determine success with clarity instead of what you were previously aiming at. That was the story of my life, and I thought the record deal was my aim. It was my view of success. And then I realized, well, wait a second. God is so much bigger than that. In fact, now that I'm looking through the lens of God's kingdom, his word and his spirit, I didn't know it before, but the very thing I was going after was an idol. How many of you know the Bible says you can only serve God only, you can't have any other idols in your life? You guys know that? You can't have idols. Now some people pursue success, they think is success, and they might call it success, and they might have the right language of success, but the very thing they're pursuing is an idol. Do you realize that? For some people, it's the love of money. Money is not the root of all evil. God has blessed abundant, uh, uh, numerous people with a lot of money. Money is not the root of evil. The love of it is. Amen? The love of it. The lust of money is the root of all evil. So some people have pursued success, even with Christian language, pursued it, but really it was the love of money. And Jesus said that's a contradiction. You can't serve two masters. 
one will rule you or the other one will. It'll be God or money. You can't do both. And so, it's, again, it's not being successful with money, but here's the thing. It's not money. It's where money is in your life. Amen? It's not money itself. Again, God has blessed many people. I think of some people, uh, like right now, a, a story that two restaurant chains that come to mind where God has blessed them with profound wealth, but they have always put God first. And so the money, the, the, the millions or billions in their life is a blessing as opposed to an anchor or something pulling them down because they had the right lens all along. Two restaurant chains, and these are uh, ones that you drive by every day, and there's usually a line going out to drive through. In-N-Out Burger, right? The McDonald's one is really slow. There's someone maybe ordering coffee over there. And the In-N-Out Burger one's blocking the street going all the way down the block. You guys seen this, right? These are people putting the scriptures on their cup, pursuing Jesus first and giving to godly causes because they understand the kingdom. They haven't defied their principles. You guys realize that? Another one being Chick-fil-A. It's the third, uh, third largest, uh, next to McDonald's and Starbucks is Chick-fil-A, the third largest restaurant in America, but it's quickly taken market share, so it's going to surpass probably Starbucks. I mean, they're just moving along. And they're a God-honoring enterprise that wants to keep God in their life and their aim and their agenda. Some don't like that, and they were just boycotted recently. If you guys remember in the news, they were boycotted. And what do they do? They actually double their sales on the day of the boycott. People saying, you know what, with all due respect, I like these guys, I like what they're doing, I like where they're going, I like their food, and I'm not going to listen to the noise, right? I'm gonna, so so, so these, are, these are a couple of organizations, and the, there's so many testimonies um, of people in the Bible. Uh, Abraham was wealthy, Joseph of Arimathea was wealthy, uh, Lydia who sold the color purple, a businesswoman, was wealthy. Uh, prosperity is not about wealth particularly, but the point is, there are some that God, they put God first and God blessed them with abundance of wealth. Wealth isn't the issue. It's where it's at that matters. When you're self-absorbed and boasting with the me, myself, and I, God's like, there's no success in that. And this guy had no place for God in his worldview. His, his aim, his lens was so blurred with a self-absorbed mindset that his view of success completely took him away from the kingdom of God because he, he just wouldn't relent uh, in this area. And God's saying, that's not success. That's actually foolishness. So listen, guys, if there's one thing you take home from today's message, as we wrap up one decade, and we, we're about to step into another decade, if there's one thing that you take home from a passage like this, it's this. We have to be careful how we measure success. Amen? We have to be careful how we measure success. If you're a note taker, I'd encourage you to write that down. That's our first point. But be careful how you measure success because we could justify all kinds of aims and goals and agendas and they might be wonderful. They might be God-given ones. They might be God-honoring ones. They might be ones God's going to endorse and get behind you and see to their end. They, they may very well be, but the point is we have to be careful how we measure success. Um, that, how many have heard the expression, all that glitters is not gold? All that glitters is not gold. We have to be careful what we're going after um, because all that glitters is not gold. Uh, an example of that in the Bible is when Adam and Eve saw the fruit, they're like, oh, it looks like gold to me. Let's go after it, right? It looks like it's good, good to eat, make me wise. It looks like, it looks like it will. And so their view of success is I'm going to go after this because this is going to make me better. I'm going to be better than I am now if I have that. And so they get their lens off of God and they get their lens on me, myself, and I and it looks good to eat, it looks good, it's going to make me wise, it's going to make me, the devil said you'll be like God, like, oh, me, myself, and I, I want that. And they start going towards it, and they grab it and consume it, only to find out all that glitters is not gold. And to also find out that the devil is the king of counterfeits. The devil is the king of counterfeits. He's been counterfeiting since the beginning of time. God's like, don't, that's not good, it's not good for you. And the devil's like, ooh, yes it is, this over here. This will make you like him. This is glittering like gold, and it is gold. And God's saying, oh, believe me, that's not gold. You don't want that. And they're thinking, but it looks like it is. And so all that glitters is not gold. The devil is the king of counterfeits. In this story, Jesus says something profound, and I think it's noteworthy to say, because he, he actually summarizes this passage with a key phrase that I think we need to take heart about somebody pursuing life, pursuing goals, pursuing agenda, seeming successful, 
But God's saying their lens is skewed and blurry and broken. That's not success at all. That's foolishness. So we need to take it to heart. His last concluding line is saying, hey, listen, um, success is actually being rich toward God. This guy was only being rich towards me, myself, and I. But Jesus said, Jesus' words was success is being rich toward God. I encourage you to write that down as a second point this morning. Success is being rich toward God. Who says that? Well, Jesus says that. Jesus concluded this parable of the kingdom of God about success is being rich towards God. What would being rich towards God look like in your life? Well, unlike this man in the story, it's not about me, myself, and I. It's not a self-absorbed life. It's not a self-centered life. His worldview was skewed. His lens was self-centered. And Jesus is saying, you don't even use that lens. It's a God-centered lens. It's a God-centered lens instead of a self-centered lens. So being rich towards God is being intentional in your life, being intentional about God's message. God's message. What is God's message? God, if, if I want to be rich towards you, I want to give, I want to turn up the volume of your message. What is your message, God? What is your glory? I don't want the kingdom, the power, and the glory like the man in the story. Look at my stuff, my barns, my thing, and my future, and my retirement. This is the guy in the story. If you and I are going to be aimed at a God-centered life, we've got to be going, God, what's your glory? How do you want to use me where you get the glory? And I love this. I bring it up all the time, but I love this. In, in football, um, you're going to see players as we go into the playoffs. Some of you watched college ball maybe the other, yesterday. Uh, but some people give God the glory, and some people take all the glory. Some people are, well, I prepared for this, and I could do anything, and I'm... You know what I mean? I'm not afraid, you know, and me, myself, and I. They, you just hear the narrative because the lens of their life is pretty apparent. Again, seems successful, they're winning games, but you'll hear this out of the mouth. And other people will give God the glory. The coach from Clemson, when, I remember when he won a year or two ago, I never in my life heard a coach give God the glory in a victory the way he did. I literally had to rewind it, and I played it about 20 times. This guy had this so much joy in the Lord. He goes, what an awesome day. God is so good. God gave us the victory today. And I just want to tell you today that, you know, with God, and he's on national TV. And it wasn't just some, um, you know, kind of thing he planned on. He just exuded giving God the glory in this victory before the whole nation. And I'm like, wow, that is success when the end game isn't the win. The end game is giving God the glory with the win. You got that? The end game is not the win. It's giving God the glory with the win. Because if we get the win and we get the glory, that's not the success that God's looking at. So, so being, success is being rich towards God, God's message, God's glory, God's name, making his name famous in the land, God's work, even giving to the work of God and the kingdom of God. God, if I'm going to be rich towards you, show me how. Show me how to be rich towards you instead of just being rich towards myself. So this man thought he was successful but he entirely missed his life's purpose. He completely did. Worldly success and life's purposes are not necessarily the same thing. Many people go after worldly success and miss out on their very life purpose that God has for them. And so that's a complete contradiction. Without God in our vision, I don't think we can find success. I don't think there's a way to find true success. There's no way to find out what we were really made for and what God's calling us into without God in our vision. We will be absent of that. Psalm 57 says this in verse 2. It says, I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose in me. The psalmist is saying, I'm crying out to you, God, that you're going to fulfill your purpose in me, God. I want your purpose in me, because that's my life purpose, is to fulfill your purpose in me. And he's crying out to God. It's a beautiful picture of, God, I really want your purpose in me. I don't want to say, I believe in you, but please step aside. I'm going after my purpose. It's not even saying, I believe in you, God. Why don't you get behind me and let me go after all my own purposes? It's saying, God, I really want your purpose in me because that's why I'm alive. That's why I'm alive. And that's really important to, to know. It says this in Matthew 16, 26. You've heard this passage before. Regarding success, this is very applicable. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus is asking two questions 
Very revealing, by the way, in regard to success. Very revealing, these questions. The first one is, what good would it be for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? And the answer to that is, uh, not very good at all. Not very good at all. doesn't matter what you have or what you amassed on this planet. To forfeit your soul wouldn't be worth it. How many of you know life is really, really short and eternity is really, really long, right? So it just wouldn't be worth it. So there's the first question. It speaks for itself. The second one is, what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And the answer is nothing. There is no exchange post this life. We don't step over and go, oh, let's make a deal. Um, there isn't an exchange on the other side. So the answer to these questions are nothing. So I would say, since he's talking about the, the soul being monumental, you can't exchange things for your soul. You shouldn't. Wisdom won't exchange anything for the soul. Wisdom will not make a deal with, the, with your soul. The soul is important. I would say to you, success this morning, it's our third point, success, if you want to have a successful decade, if you're stepping into this new dimension, aim at the success of your soul. Ask the Lord, what will make me more successful? My soul, God. What, how will I become more successful in my soul? Not just aiming at stuff or things, that's the flesh. My soul. How does my mind, will, and emotions line up with you? How do I become more like you, Jesus? How do I walk more in the spirit? How do I walk more with clarity of vision? This would be success of the soul. And you might ask as you're developing a resolution, say, Lord, what would that be for, to, to, for me to discover success in the matters of my soul uh, in, this, in this season? That's really important. Uh, 3 John chapter 1, the apostle John talks exactly about this. And he says his prayer for the believers, for the church, John prays that our souls would prosper. John is saying, listen, I am praying that God will prosper your soul. Prosper your soul. God wants prosperity of your soul. I don't know that we always think that way as we go into the new year. Is that on our list? Prosperity of my soul? But I think God wants your soul to prosper as it's written in the Bible. Um, the last scripture we have is this, and um, it's... Colossians 1.16. Colossians 1.16. Again, we have it for the screen up here. And this is a pretty revealing passage because it speaks to God's design and life purpose in a really important way. And it says this, For in Him, referring to Jesus, For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Would you read the last part with me? All things were created through him. No, the last part. All things were created through him and for him. Could you repeat that one more time with me? All things were created through him for him. This is important. All things. That means us. All things. That means you. This is, this is personal. All things were created through him and what? Ooh, for? Really? All things were created through him. Okay, God is your creator. He's your maker. A lot of us are cool with that. But all things were created through him and for him? Ooh. If we were created for him, that really is a game changer, isn't it? But there are many believers who say, I was created through him, but not for him. I got my own thing. I want God to get behind me because I'm going after this thing over here. I'm going after this thing. In fact, I remember when I first started to inquire of the Lord. Again, I bring back the story of coming to L.A. and being in bands and playing these clubs. I realized, look, if I'm going to get that goal, that record deal thing, if I'm going to get that thing out there and I'm going after it relentlessly, I probably need God's favor to get it. This is what I said. And I said, I better get close to God because I need his favor. I need him to open doors because I'm getting that. I'm getting that. I'm going after that and I'm going to be relentless. I'm going out. And I, I probably need God's help to get it. So the reason I was inquiring of the Lord in the first place is because I needed his help to get what I desperately wanted. The irony of that is the thing I wanted was an idol. You see that? It was an idol. I didn't know it at the time, but I wanted an idol and I wanted God's help getting the idol. Is that an absolute contradiction or not? How many people in life go through life wanting an idol of something and they want God's help to get the idol? <laughs> I mean, think about that. I think there's a lot of people who do that, probably even in the church. God, I really want this thing so bad and I want you to give it to me or I want you to get it for me. 
And, and we got to check what is success because when God gave me the right lens, I realized, oops, that's an idol. Sorry, God. You know what I did in my life? When God revealed to me the thing that I was relentlessly per, uh, pursuing was an idol, I'm like, Lord, forgive me. I, I repent. I'm turning from that because it was an idol. Nothing wrong with music or playing music, but that goal, that agenda, that aim, that lens was a broken one. It was a blurry one, and I had to break it. And what I ended up doing is all my guitars, I had a bunch of custom guitars and amps and stacks, all of it went away. It all went away, 100%. All gone. A little bit later, picked up an acoustic guitar and started to go into jails to minister to prisoners. Maybe help lead a Bible study. Because God, every foundation, does it make sense? The foundation I built my aim on, my goal on, my agenda, was through a broken lens. It's been said you can take the kid out of Babylon, but it's hard to get the Babylon out of the kid, right? You can take the kid out of Hollywood, but it's hard to get the Hollywood out of the kid. I had to like get that gone away, and I had to start a level of consecration so that I could start for the first time in my life, use the Word of God and the Spirit of God so I could actually aim, so that I could see. Because if not, our pursuits are totally maligned. We're aiming at the wrong stuff, like the, the guy in the story uh, we read. But Colossians is telling us all things were created by him and for him, for him. That means you were created. You know you were created by him. Psalm 139 says you were formed in your mother's womb and you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, and, and the Bible gives a great depiction of that in your most formative, earliest stages of life that God's plan was for you with a design for you and, and, and a will for you. Um, but you were created not just by him, but for him. And that means life purpose is built right into the scripture. You were created for him. You have a life purpose in him. And so what this tells us as you're stepping out of one decade into another decade, if you want to have 2020 vision, if you want to aim with any kind of level of clarity, I think one of the things scripture clearly reveals, and it's our fourth point this morning. This would be great if the worship team comes up. Fourth point this morning is life is not all about me. I was created by God and for God's purpose. Life is not all about me. And many times in life, even as a believer, even someone who confesses Jesus is Lord, yep, I get it, I believe the Bible, but they still go down the road. Life is still all about me. And it's like, no, if he's Lord, it means he's really not about me anymore. It's not about me. It's about him. I want to live my life. I want to find out how God wants me to walk. I want to be a good steward of everything he puts in my life. And, and, and it doesn't mean you're like uh, living in some kind of level of... Uh, uh, you know, beating yourself up. You're aiming at the good things in life that God has. You're learning how to walk out in the fullness of the kingdom of God, the abundant life that he has for you. But it's his purposes and it's his uh, glory. So all things, life is not all about me. I was created by God and for God's purpose. So you need to know the purpose of your life is so much greater than just your own fulfillment. If we live a life on just our own fulfillment, that's really what hedonism is. My fulfillment, my satisfaction. And if our aim is satisfaction of the flesh, usually that's really hedonism. And that can be an idol as well. But, but if our goal is like, all right, God, you made me. I was made by you and for you. That means there's a life purpose in there. Begin to show me, I want to make this decade a monumental one. I want to step out of one decade into the next one with 20-20 vision. I want to have clarity through the lens of your word and your spirit so I can look down the road and go, oh, well, now I'm beginning to see what you made me for. Now I'm beginning to see what I should start stepping into. Now I'm beginning to understand what success really is as opposed to maybe the last decade. And this is really where we start to get traction uh, in our walk with God. If we want any kind of aim in life, if we want any kind of vision, any kind of clarity, we got to start with God because you were made by him and for him. If we look to ourselves, some people say we'll search on the inside. Well, be careful because then we get into looking for answers on the inside and we didn't make ourselves, amen? God made us. He's our creator. He's the author and the perfecter. So we can ask ourselves, we're going to be very limited in our capacity to answer that age-old uh, age question of what am I here for and what's my life purpose? But if we go to our maker, who's our creator, 
uh, he's going to have the answer because he actually built it into his design that we were made by him and for him. And the Bible says, all my ordained, all, listen to this, all the days you had for me were ordained before one of them came to be. That means God already has things for you and I to walk in before we took our first breath. And that's why searching on the inside for that ultimate answer of life purpose is short-sighted. Uh, but getting with God and going, God, you had ordained days for me. I was made by you and for you. I'm aiming at you. Show me what these things are because I want to start stepping into what you see as uh, successful. Uh, I would say this morning, you may not know what you're aiming at right now. You might say, well, I'm just, I love the Lord and I'm just kind of living my day, you know, day by day. And that, that's a wonderful place to start. But I would suggest that we are all aiming at something. Whether we know it or not, we're aiming at something. Um, our life has a trajectory. We've, we've gotten ourselves on some kind of path by either doing things or not doing things. We are, we're already aiming at something. And this is the time of the year we reassess what we're aiming at and why we're aiming at the things we're aiming at. We're also all moving towards something. Whether we like it or not, we're moving towards things. And, and this isn't a time to go through life passively. It's not a time to be out in the ocean just drifting around. It's time to be going, I'm getting intentional, God. I'm going to get a download from heaven. I want to hear from you. I want to see through the lens of your word and your spirit. I want 2020 vision. And God, I'm hoisting a sail and I'm moving a rudder. I'm going to be intentional about aiming where you want me to be and how you want me to walk and how you want me to live and what you want me to step into, God. And I want to be intentional by faith in what you call success. And I want to tear down the things that I've built up in my life that I've thought were successful, but they're not actually success at all. Maybe like the man in the story, there's things in your life going, yeah, God, it kind of was about me, myself, and I. And I thought that would be success. But Lord, you're saying that's not success. That's actually foolishness. Oops. It's better to have an oops now than to try to have an oops. This... Lord, if I'm aiming at the wrong thing, show me, God. And that's how you want to come into this year. You want to, not just this year, this decade, you want to come in saying, God, what am I aiming at? Am I aiming at all? Am I even aiming, God? Am I even seeing? Maybe I'm seeing the wrong way, and that's why I'm aiming at Help me to see. Paul prays for the church, and he says, my prayer for you, is that God will open the eyes of your heart so that you can see him, so you can see what he's doing. The Bible talks about making the most of our opportunities, making most of the time. When it talks about making most of the time, it's not talking about the chronos time, the chronology, calendar date, seconds, minutes, hours. It's not talking about the chronos time. It's taking most of the, of the time in the sense of the Right here, right now, what is God doing? Right here, right now. And this is what we need to do. God, right here, right now, we got two days left in our decade. We're about to step into a new decade. It's not about the clock that way, but it is about the opportunity in the here and the now. Where do I need to aim? What do I need to adjust? What's my view of success? Am I looking through the wrong lens? Maybe you need to give me an adjustment, God, to see what I need to see. Maybe I'm looking at the wrong thing. And, and Lord, if I have been pursuing the wrong things, then guess what? I want to repent. How many of you guys know we're never done repenting? You guys know that? It's not a one-time deal. I got to repent all the time. I trust you do too. The day we stop repenting is the day we start slipping, amen? And start going backwards. Um, we're always repenting. We're always finding out what we need to repent for. And God always rewards that. Every time in the Bible, people repented and turned, God's like, bravo, yay, and is having a celebration. He's not shameful. He doesn't want us to feel shameful or condemned. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But repentance is always rewarded. God always honors that. So maybe if your view of success is a little off this way, you need to go, God, give me a tune-up. Give me an adjustment. Show me how to step into this decade the right way, God. I want to aim at what you want me to aim at, God. Maybe I'm an aiming over here, and you're saying that's not a success. Success is over there. Oops, sorry, <laughs> forgive me, Lord. I thought it would be success, but now I see I'm looking through the wrong lens. Now that I'm looking at your word and your spirit, now I'm seeing what you made me for. I was made by you and for you. Of course, that's success over there. And I, I will say, while you're pursuing success through the lens of God, you will find joy. The Bible says if you seek him first, he will give you the desires of your heart. 
So you're not going to be ripped off or diminished in any way, shape, or form by putting down your success and going after God's success. You will only find the fulfillment in life. And that's why you have so many people who make it to the top, it looks like, to really come up empty-handed. Some people make it to the top, seemingly to the top, but still being void because they pursued their view of success instead of life purpose. And it's really, really short-sighted. I want to close in prayer, and I want to ask God to do a work in us. Would you stand with me this morning? We just want to ask God. It's an important time. We're closing out a decade, and we're stepping into the new one, and I, and I believe God wants to do something fresh in our lives this year. Um, mighty God, we just come before you uh, as your sons and your daughters. And, and Lord, we want to declare our love for you. Uh, but Lord, I just pray for everyone in the room, you would show us right now what we've been pursuing. Lord, if we've been looking through the wrong lens, I pray you show us right now. If we've been looking through the wrong lens, things have been, we thought we, they were clear, but apparently they're blurry. If we were aiming at the wrong aim, the wrong aspirations, the wrong goals, the wrong agenda, the wrong motive, whether it was self-centered, me, myself, and I, whatever it might be, God, we want to re repent from that and turn from that. And only you can say, yes, Lord, that's me in the privacy of your own heart right now. But Lord, we want to repent from anything uh, that was just bad aim, God. We, we just finished a decade, and I'm sure there's plenty of things that were, oops, yeah, that wasn't good aim, and that wasn't good aim. But Lord, right now, as we finish this decade, we want to say, forgive us for blurry vision. Forgive us for, for picking up the wrong lens. It's not a lens you gave us. We picked it up. We decided to look through it. We decided to trust in the accuracy of the lens that we picked up, and we decided to walk and aim at what was at the end of it. And you didn't, you didn't give us that view. So Lord, we repent of that. We put down that lens and we pick up right now uh, the lens of your word and your spirit. Uh, we pick up the truth uh, that we were made by you and for you, for your purposes. We pick up the truth that all the days for our life were ordained before one of them came to being. And that means we want to start getting intentional about life purpose, God. So I pray you begin to show us what success looks like. You begin to give us eyes to see, 2020 vision, to look down the road and go aim this way. This would be honoring me. This would be successful. This will bring you fulfillment in the kingdom because you were made for this. Show us what these things are, God. I pray you continue to bring revelation in this series and help us get traction with you like never before. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen, amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.